Sun, Episode 8, in which our heroes fall through time and space. circumstance, she has become our leader. Whether by loyalty, honor, or self-preservation, we are her captive followers. Lead on, new woman. Lead on. Well said, but speak for yourself. Let's just hope something comes by that we can grab, and it won't smush us. Okay, so what do we do now? Well, it's an eight-hour journey through the tubes on a freighter, so I figure it'll be at least twice that long on foot. On foot? You know what I mean. Sans transport. Oh, natural. As the crow falls. Raw dog. Thank you, Chauncey. The point is, it's a long journey. I think we should try to get some sleep. Are you kidding? I'll get some sleep when I don't have to worry about being crushed by a freighter or killed by security, or chipped into slavery, or sliced up by a sword, or... 1301? Sarah? Oh, boy. As Melvin falls in silence towards Global One, his mind is reeling, choked with new information. Could Global One actually be a massive slave colony, as his new friends claim? And if so, what was his father doing down there all those years? And how was he killed? And why? And what was that strange computer chip Melvin had found on his father's desk? His mind took him ten years into his past, to the last game of catch he and his father ever had. They were playing on their modest rooftop, under the light of the crystal dome, now in its daily luminescent mode. They were surrounded by crumbling pots, out of which tomatoes and lettuce grew. Wanly consuming the light of the neon sun. Here you go, kid. Catch! Oh, bad throw, bad throw. All right, throw it back to me now. Great. All right. 
catch. Yes. Dad, why do you have to leave? I gotta go on extended relief, Private. That means helping all those people down there on Global One build up a new life for themselves. Why don't they come up here and live with us? There's no room for them up here, kid. We only have space and food and water enough for the people already here. So I'm going down there and helping them produce their own stuff so they can live down there on their own. Someday we'll all live on Global One together. Why can't me and Mom just go and live with you now? It's not quite ready down there yet, kid. There's still a long way to go before we can all live on Global One. But someday, maybe when you have a wife and kid of your own. You mean I have to get married? Close. Here, kid, catch. Ready? Oh, bad toss. Okay. Throw it back now. Throw it back. Welcome home, Stephen Hemchek. Dad! You're back! Oh, it's great to be back, kid. I've missed you like crazy. Here, let me look at you. Boy, oh boy, you've grown. Boy, you can sure grow in two years, huh? Did you help lots of people while you were away? I should say so. Your father's getting a humanitarian award. Guess you can do a lot of good in two years. Hello, Steve. Maggie, it's good to see you. What's a humanitarian award? It's an award for someone who's been good to people. Wow. Congratulations, Dad. You must have been perfect. I only wish I had been, son. Do you like the new house? Gosh, yeah. We have a jacuzzi now and a swimming pool on the roof, and the TV is huge. Maggie, what do you think of it? I'm just glad you're home, Steve. He didn't have the heart to tell her he was getting sent back the next day. We just woke up, and he was gone. Left a note. I don't think my mom ever forgave him for that when I think about it. Next time I saw him was nine years later. A lot changed in that time. People started treating us differently. Like at the grocery store, we never had to wait in line anymore. Or at the movies, they would give us the best seats. It was embarrassing to watch other people get kicked out of their seat so we could sit there. But the management always insisted. I remember when the doorbell rang. I was listening to Wheel in the Sky for the first time. That's the Vent's second album. It's pretty awesome. At the time, it was the awesomest thing I had ever heard. Starting testing seems so deadly. Making me leave off of a medley. The management's in management, so we've settled it off competitively. Not the other suddenly. My tanks are full of oxygen. My surgic derivative is in a lot of methamphetamine. A lot of methamphetamine. A lot, a lot of methamphetamine. See it does because the sun's shining. I have never seen the sun shine, but I take it as it's given, and I try to have a good time. Try to have a good time. Try to have a good time. That is why I'm living in this world of pyramids and myriads and betting every jazz about a gigolo that comes near to the dipping sunshine. Like this. <laughs>
you ring the doorbell? You could have used your thumb encoder. Son, Melvin, honey, who is it? Melvin? Son, it's because I did Melvin! Oh. Hello, Maggie. Steven? It's been a long time. It's been nine years, Steven. Nine years since you disappeared in the night like a coward! Nine years, two months, and 16 days. And I thought of the two of you every moment. You think I had a choice when I left? You think I wanted to leave the two of you up here? Well, I went down there and... I'm not asking for forgiveness. I know it's beyond that now. But I had to come back and see you and tell the two of you I love you. I never stopped. And I always will. I have to go now. Dad, I don't understand. Steven? I'm not supposed to be here. Goodbye. And I love you. Now and forever. Now close the door. Steven? Dad! Close the door! Steven! <laughs> That was the last time I saw him. Three months later, we got a communique saying he had been killed in a food processing accident. We didn't know what to make of it. As Sarah pretends to sleep, her mind is also spinning as they gracefully plummet through the giant pneumatic tube down towards the surface of Global One. By what astronomical coincidence had she ended up alongside this boy? Could it be divine providence? She considers such ideas to be nonsense, but she is unable to dismiss the possibility entirely. Her own mind takes her down to Global One, three months into her past, when she was summoned to the old pet shop, the revolutionary headquarters, to receive what would prove to be a fateful assignment. wanted to see me, baby cakes? This is a business call, Sarah. Sit down. Yes, sir. I've got another name for you. So I guess I'm the staff assassin now? You're good at it. How many more of these are there going to be, Snake? As many as it takes. 
Do you want to help the cause or don't you? What's the name? Stephen Hencheck. Stephen Hencheck? The Stephen Hencheck? As in the head slave master of Site B and all surrounding? If I didn't know you better, I'd say you were impressed. Just curious. It's going to be tricky getting close to him. You shouldn't have to. Our friend upstairs provided us with access to another arms cache. There was a sniper rifle in there, along with some other heavy chaff. You'll have to thank him for me. I will if I ever meet him. Here, take this. Inside, you'll find the gun, some ammo, and all the info we have on Hencheck. Shouldn't take more than a couple days for you to have him clocked. I'll report back when it's done. Dismissed. Oh, and Sarah, don't go getting yourself killed. I've got something sweet for you when you come back. You're disgusting. I'll see you then, baby cakes. God damn it, Sarah, don't call me that. <laughs> Snake was right. He kept an obsessively regular schedule. Off to the office at dawn, lunch on the roof, back home at dusk. He had armed transport, but only to and from the office. I had his head in the crosshairs of my new fancy sniper rifle for the third time when I decided sniping wasn't my style. That afternoon, I scoochied my way into his apartment and waited for him to get home. He walked in just as the sun went under the horizon right on schedule. Hello, Steven. Oh. Hi. I didn't see you there. Good job, I guess. Drink? You don't seem surprised to see me. I knew you were bound to show up sooner or later. You are here to kill me, right? Well... And how about that drink? It's soy shine, but it's good. I know a guy who does a real nice job of it. Join me? All right. Don't worry, it's not poison or anything. I know. I already checked it. You know your business. Cheers. Here's to brief encounters. Don't you want to know who I am? Judging from the filth, I'd say you were a Belgrista. But you might just be dressed up to look like one. Can't imagine why, but I wouldn't put it past him. You mean the Colchis? Why would they want to kill you? Uh, not so fast, friend. Is this an interrogation or an assassination? How about first one and then the other? I don't think so. For that, you'd have to torture me. Really? Yep. And I'd be pathetic. Anyway, you don't seem like the torturing type. No? No. You seem like a good person. Even though I'm here to kill you. Besides that, care for another? No, thank you. Mind if I do? Why would you guard the Kulchi's secrets so closely if you think they're gunning for you? I know what you're going to say next. Sign up now. Join the revolution. Defect. Well... Let me show you this picture. This is my son, Melvin. Looks clueless. Yes, indeed he is. But when I answer for all my sins, it's going to be to him. Do you understand? 
I may have some major chanting problems, but one thing I'm not is a murderer. We're not murderers. Oh, really? Well, let me ask you a question. How many people have you personally killed in the past two weeks? Six. I had a hunch. And tell me, did anyone in your righteous organization object in any way to these killings? We are at war. That's the oldest excuse in the book. I tell you, you people haven't had a brain among you since Arthur Belgrade died. And he barely qualifies. You take those words back out of your mouth or I will cut out your tongue. Go ahead. Just the sort of bloodthirsty, vengeful behavior I'd expect from a Belgrista. You shut your mouth. First you want me to talk, and now you want me to shut up. Chop off my head then, like all the others. You people think you're so chanting moral. You'd pull the temple down on all of us. For what? So you can brag about it in hell? When will you stop killing? When the streets run with blood? Will that fix this? Please, tell me. What is your plan? And that was that. I stashed his head in a box of soy, headed up to Eternia. Imagine the look on their faces. And now, here's this boy. The same clueless boy that monster showed me a picture of. Guiltless of his father's sins, but with all of his strength of character. I think I'll keep this one alive. If I can. Neon Sun, Episode 8, was performed by Anne Beardsley, Rachel Bell, Dylan Latimer, and Benjamin Folstein, developed from a concept by Julian Robb, written, produced, and scored by Benjamin Folstein. Tune in for Episode 9, in which we will travel with John Hawkeye.